0: you feel like ever since you had COVID your memory isn't as sharp as it used to be? Or maybe you feel like it's harder to concentrate and work through your to-to list.
1: If so, you aren't alone. Turns out post-COVID brain fog is a real thing and it's more prevalent than you might think. In today's episode, we're talking all about brain fog, how long it might last, and what you might add to your diet that could clear some of that fog. Let's dive in.
0: So... Today, Carolyn, we are talking about brain fog. I'm kind of wondering if this is like a little hint that you're <laughs> trying to give me.
1: No, it's more. I wanted to dig deeper in the topic because I feel like I cannot shake the brain fog ever since I had COVID, which was what like a I year, mean, almost two. Yeah, a year, a year ago, year, year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. It was because it was wintertime.
0: I remember. Yeah. But it might have been before the holidays. I can't remember. See? I can't remember. See? <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> but then also, I don't know if it's like, it's some of that, I think, and then like changes in hormones like panperimenopause perimenopause can give you brain fog. So I'm like, oh, geez, I'm a lost cause right now. Well, I just, I, you know, I would say being women <clears throat> at
0: our stage of life, at least we recognize that it's brain fog because, I mean, remember having like pregnancy brain
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay well apparently pregnancy can also cause brain fog yeah this actually is the first time that i realized it was like a legitimate thing that that you know medical professionals actually recognize not just like what us yeah moms talked about
1: and it actually made me when information started coming out on covid related brain fog it actually made me feel a little better like okay i'm not the only person like yeah. this isn't Completely abnormal. But I remember because it can, some people get it during their illness, but a lot of people it sticks around after. But I remember maybe when I got it the first time. Have I had it twice? <laughs> I think you have had <laughs> it twice. I think I, the first time I remember like my initial signs weren't anything like respiratory or anything like that. I could not concentrate. I couldn't – it was a very weird – like, even taking my ADD medicine, it was very, like – it was just a bizarre feat. Like, I was just unsettled. Like, it was weird. Yeah. I remember that because you had said that 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 – when – after
0: you were diagnosed, you said that that was a little bit of what tipped you off. Mm -hmm. And also because one of your kids had it first. Yeah. But still. Yeah. Anyway. So, basically – In the research, brain fog is called cognitive deficits.
1: (laughs) Which I think
0: is actually a really nice explanation of it. Oh, you do? Well well, it's 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 slightly it doesn't it's a nice explanation in the sense that it's very clear. Yes. That cognitive deficits are happening when you have brain fog. Yes. And hopefully they are temporary. But and you were you were saying that in many instances they really are temporary.
1: Yeah, we are not quite
0: sure about the whole COVID situation we're, yet. They're
1: saying like I've read several research articles where doctors were like, "This should be temporary, but how long it goes on?" As a result of COVID, know, as a result yeah. of COVID.
0: But like, um, if you are so, you can have brain fog if you are very stressed, if you're not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. We talked already about pregnancy and menopause um, or perimenopause.
1: What were some of the others? Um, like a medication. And this oh, could right. be like over a month's period, like you're taking a medication. Or it could be like you take an antihistamine and you just feel like foggy the next 12 hours, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, dehydration. Um, what else? Oh, like a change in time zones. Oh, yes. Yes. So it can be a lot of different things, but a lot of these things are things that you can resolve or that w- the brain fog will resolve once the trigger or the condition goes away.
0: Yeah. Although I'm not quite sure that the brain fog goes away when you deliver the baby. <laughs> I was just thinking. But I think it's because then you roll right into lack of sleep and
1: stress. Yeah. So, but anyway. I think maybe about a year after you have the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so that's normal brain fog. And that has been documented, you know, it can be something that happens one day or it can be over several months if it's stress, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but interestingly, when we talk about later about things that you can do, what we didn't really see was um what we, di- what we didn't really find was suggestions for what to do in those particular instances for brain
1: fog. Well, I think some of them like, lack of sleep, you need to sleep. Right. You know? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. There wasn't much, much solution, but let's go back to define cognitive deficits. Let's tell people exactly what brain fog means. Um, it's essentially a big umbrella term for changes that impact one's thinking, processing, memory, ability to concentrate, or executive functioning skills. Now, your executive functioning skills are things like planning, organizing, problem-solving, multitasking.
0: There are also things that if you have ADD or ADHD... you Are you already s- hard. You're, they're already hard for you. Executive functioning is like a major challenge for people with ADHD. Yes. And, and truthfully, I, I think that there... There are some other mental health conditions that are Mm -hmm. associated with just not the best in terms of executive functioning.
1: Yeah, I agree. So that's what brain fog means, per the research. Um, So we talked a little about just everyday brain fog and what can cause that. And again, it's usually temporary once the condition or the trigger subsides. But we want to focus a lot today on COVID-related brain fog because it's different And they've identified kind of two reasons why it occurs.
0: And also, the people who typically listen to our podcast Mm -hmm. are actually more likely to be affected by
1: COVID-related brain fog. Yes. Can I go ahead and tell you that stat? Were you shocked when you saw that? Yes, I was shocked. Women are more likely than men to have brain fog. And they categorize this as long COVID, but brain fog is a key component of long COVID. I mean, we really
0: get the short stick.
1: But then listen to this. This one shocked me too. Older adults are less likely to have long COVID than younger adults. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be the exact opposite. Same. It says nearly three times as adults ages 50 to 59 currently have long COVID compared to adults age 80 and above.
0: So all you spring chicken females out there that are listening to our podcast... We're all getting the short stick when it comes to COVID-related brain fog. It's so
1: weird, though, that it affects younger people better. I mean, more.
0: Yeah, not better. Not better. <laughs> yeah, more.
1: Okay, so according to the CDC, around 40% of adults in the United States have reported having COVID. Um, now, I also read another some other statistics that said it may actually be higher because there's a lot of people who will not admit they had it.
0: Oh, I totally believe that. Or who
1: will not check on a survey if they have it. And the other thing is, I want to say, I mean, I just walk around assuming everybody's have it, had it. Because even if you didn't know you had it, I feel like how could you not have had it like an asymptomatic case? You just lucked out. Well, also,
0: I wonder, too, like how they actually collected that data. Mm-hmm. Because
1: if you test positive at home... How many people really right. are reporting that? Right. So. Right. And if you had a mild case and you tested at home, then like, you know, uh, maybe I had, you know, yeah. It's, that's not worth reporting. I didn't have, I wasn't in the hospital. Right. You know? Exactly. So. So
0: underreporting seems likely. Lying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lying. Or lying. I said underreporting. She says lying. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And
1: then please read the next statistic. One in five um, adults are, cur- are currently still having symptoms of long COVID, which includes brain fog. Now, I'm going to say this is low, too. Is there a line here, too? Or how do you, you know?
0: They could be. They totally could be. But, I mean, I'm looking at one in five, and that seems like a lot of people. I mean, especially if you consider that if we were to say 40% of adults have had covid is underreporting. I mean, that's a lot of people.
1: Well, another thing is it's so subtle. Like it took me a while to realize like you know, maybe it's 5 or 6 months later and I I'm not 100% like I was before covid. You know, it's yeah. it's
0: kind of I don't know. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I I remember I had this moment. I I walked into my house one day and I was like <gasps> I can smell so much more in here all of a sudden. Oh wow. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I wonder if that's just that the
1: quirky side effects of COVID. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um other I, I thought this was interesting. The prevalence of long COVID differs by states. This is really bizarre <laughs> to <laughs> it's me. Weird. The highest percentage of adults who have long COVID symptoms are in Kentucky, Alabama, Tennessee, and South Dakota. Which were also states that had like early and high rates of outbreak. You think it's because like the southeastern states at least have very high rates of obesity. Oh. And maybe in that yeah. Definitely puts you at higher risk and for sure for having a more severe case. For sure. I could totally say. I that. don't know. That's weird. The states with the lowest percentage of people having long COVID symptoms are Hawaii, Maryland, and Virginia. Man. I think that's interesting. There's even a difference. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So, you know, the hard part about studying this is, well, it just happened in 2020, and then, you know, it was a pandemic. Everyone was freaking out, so no one was thinking, let's get some baseline data. Yeah, exactly.
0: it's <laughs> <laughs> a really good way let's to put some, it.
1: Collect, let's go visit 100,000 people. people and get some collect some baseline data. And,
0: yeah. man- <laughs> and then come back once they've had COVID. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. So, But there was a study last year in 2022, and it looked at 23 different studies that had all looked at aspects of cognition um, and changes to that related to COVID. And what they found among the 23 studies that brain fog, the studies reported three to 81% of their participants had brain fog. So like one study may have had... Three percent, which I, small. I'm gonna say they're lying. Yeah, <laughs> you're just calling everybody liars I today. It's been a rough week. Um. <laughs> anyway, but and then like another study found as high as eighty-one of their subjects had it. So three to eighty-one percent, and then twelve. Um, in twelve of the twenty-three studies. Um, they looked at twelve of them. Gathered data twelve weeks later after COVID, and they found that cognitive impairment or brain fog ranged from twenty one to sixty five percent.
0: Okay, that that seems like a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, just spread out a little bit. Yeah, more accurately 3% than like three really to eighty one percent. Yeah, but also if it if that was largely self reported in. For that big range, I can see why it's as big of a
1: range as it is. Yeah. So and among the 23 studies, they kind of pooled what like symptoms were. The most common symptoms were related to executive functioning, attention, ding, ding, ding. and episodic memory. Which I'm gonna say like probably like you you can't remember what you had for dinner.
0: Yeah, Monday night.
1: Yeah, maybe
0: it's know, just, just like, not consistent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. All right, but then it looks like all of them showed in that in that particular study, they showed this pattern of cognitive impairment when it comes to processing speed, inattention, and then as you already said, executive dysfunction and working memory.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But processing speed.
1: I know, but I, that I just felt slow in my brain. I still do a little at times. You know, that's yeah. really, I couldn't pay attention, but also I felt like the gears in my brain were moving slow.
0: Right. Well, inattention is probably, I would say, is actually the scariest one of them all to me because we all are, we already struggle with inattention. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many things vying for our attention, and now we're just going to add one more thing that's going to make it harder for us to focus. Yep. Fantastic.
1: Thanks. Fantastic. Um, the, it was also clear among this um, review of 23 studies that brain fog was not limited to severe cases, and it was not just limited to, um, like, right when you have COVID. It, as we've already said, it extended own. Yeah. Um, but mild cases. Um, I mean, I feel like I had a mild case, but oh, times yeah. I had it, you know, and, So it really isn't linked necessarily to severity. Now, this study did say that, you know, and again, because this was a pandemic, um, you know, they didn't have data on these people. None of the studies had data on these people prior to them getting COVID. Right. So it was, the studies couldn't really say this is, you know, yes, this person has mild brain fog, from COVID that, you know, that it's new and from COVID. And they they couldn't eliminate the possibility that the person might have had some dementia before they had COVID. Right. You
0: know? Right. So like when they were measuring processing speed, inattention, executive function, and working memory, they weren't necessarily, they weren't able to compare that person currently to previously. It was basically like they had these impairments now they might have also had them previously yeah exactly
1: um here's another thing um a 20 another 2022 study reviewed medical records for over 1.25 million people and in an assortment of countries who had previously had covid and they found that most of the adults still reported symptoms of brain fog two years later man not crazy
0: Okay, so Carolyn, the next part in the notes here where you start to outline, like, what researchers attribute this COVID-related brain fog to, I find it fascinating. Now, I like the nitty-gritty of the details, like the why, but can you go over that? Yeah. I really think listeners are going to so like this.
1: So there are two um, things that contribute, they believe contribute or lead to this covid related brain fog the first is that covid causes structural changes to the brain i mean they're slight but it still changes to the brain and they aren't thought to be caused directly by the actual virus okay but it's the indirect effects of having had the virus where during that period when you had it you had less circulating oxygen You had inflammation and maybe even some PTSD afterwards from it. Wow. The other... Structural changes in the brain. Okay. Yeah. The second reason is the inflammatory effects left from the cytokine storm in the body from COVID. And we heard the term cytokine and the cytokine cytokine storm a lot I yes. think, during COVID. But essentially the problem with the virus is, is um, that it created this storm of compounds that release inflammatory chemicals. Right. So it really grew into something bigger. It wasn't necessarily the virus running rampant. It was what the virus caused.
0: Yeah. In your body. Yes. Yeah. Like
1: that you're... It, it
0: basically caused this storm in your in your body. It caused your body to
1: turn on itself. Right. And so just because you're COVID negative doesn't mean that all that inflammation stirred up in your body goes away. It takes a long time for that inflammation to kind of subside. Mm-hmm. And so they think the inflammatory effects left um, are – they attribute that to um, – brain fog um and you know with the body isn't the brain is part of the body well i tend to exclude it but (laughs) that's true but uh,
0: also the virus didn't like cherry pick specific organs and inflammation doesn't which is the big problem that we talk about a lot about inflammation is that you can't you can't just say like oh it's just it's just gonna go to my joints or it's just gonna go to my brain or i mean
1: well, when it, I started it looking it at this, to go. yeah, when I started looking at this and realizing the big inflammatory side of COVID, it made perfect sense to me why people who had type two diabetes or people, you know, with obesity were more prone because they already have a lot of inflammation mm-hmm. in their body from the metabolic things going on. Right. So they've already got inflammation. So they get covid then you've got an even bigger inflammatory storm right yeah it's just it's just adding insult to injury basically in, mm-hmm. in your body
0: mm-hmm. okay well now that we've done all the debbie downer stuff
1: does <laughs> not it make you feel better to know that other people this many people have it though too
0: that is true that is very true i mean basically we could all be walking around in covid brain fog still
1: mm-hmm Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, no, it it absolutely does make me feel better thinking that it's not, you know, it's not just us, but also, too, that if this many people are affected by it, then surely it will continue to stay, like, top of mind among, like, researchers and health yeah. professionals and hopefully more potential solutions or resolutions will come out of it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've got to think these reasons that they think cause the COVID brain fog, Those are probably some of the same reasons that Nicole lost her smell and didn't have it back. I don't know if she has it back now. Yeah, we need to check in with her again. We need to check in with her. But, Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so is there anything we can do from a food diet standpoint? Yes. And there's nothing, like, definitive, like, take this and it will, you know. But there are some definite things that researchers know from... Just the changes that occur in the brain, and just what's going on—the you know, inflammatory storm that's left over. Yeah, um, that couldn't hurt. Correct.
0: Also, too, a lot of this, a lot of this research and the recommendations um, are based on what what experts have seen is can increase or decrease your risk of getting COVID.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And that's kind of the root of a lot of these, like, tips, too, yeah. that we that, that you've got in here.
1: Well, the first one um, is make sure you're consuming some healthy fats. And this partly stems from the fact that you may have structural changes to the brain. And I did not realize until I was researching this that over 50% of your brain matter is fat. Fat, yeah. I'd forgotten that
0: yeah. from college. It, I feel like it's easy to forget that because... Yeah people don't talk about it that much but yeah i mean that's also why omega 3s are so important for brain health so yeah. just just to recap for for listeners when we say healthy fats we're talking about fats that um come mostly from plant or fats that are found in plant-based sources mm-hmm. right so your nuts your seeds your avocados um, and then the oils that are made from all of those, mm-hmm. olives, and then what you find mostly in um, in seafood, omega-3s. That said, you can sometimes get very, very tiny amounts.
1: Most Americans yeah. are getting way below what you yeah. need, but consuming these healthier fats is really key. Um, in maintaining the brain structural integrity um and then just in general it's associated with overall brain health and cognition and adequate intake of your omega-3s um you know is associated with improved cognition memory and focus um and we're most of us probably aren't getting that so no. it would really help at this time to, re- to focus on it. And I didn't finish my sentence. Oh, um, sorry.
0: No, no, it wasn't you. I just kind of like trailed off. So it was probably the brain fog, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, so m- we get most of our omega-3s through seafood if we eat seafood. We can get small amounts, though, in like things like you know grass-fed beef. Um, sometimes it's added to milk. It can also be in milk that comes from grass fed cows. It can be added to eggs, but the amounts there are very low. are very low. And so really if you're not getting much um seafood, seafood. you really need to think about a yeah. supplement. And
1: there's omega threes in nuts, but that type is not is not really DHA and EPA.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not converted in the into a form that the body can y- can yeah. use as readily, yeah, yeah, so. okay. So, healthy fats, people. Healthy fats, yeah. By the way, I ate a uh, I found it at work in the fridge, which sounds gross. I am a a, I a light cheese stick today. Oh, no,
1: that Did you was like it.
0: No, 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 I don't eat. I haven't eaten like a reduced fat cheese in a long time and this one was very severely reduced in its fat and it was not good. Yeah, Sorry. When we were talking about healthy fats, what I was going to say is, see, it's okay to incorporate some fat into your diet. Yes.
1: Oh, one thing I will say about healthy fats is um, extra virgin olive oil is one of the healthier ones you can use. Don't use it over high heat though. You want to use it in like cold dishes and up to medium heat um but it's extra special because it contains a compound that no other oils do called oleocanthal that has inflammatory and antioxidant effects in fact um i may have shared this before um but they um suggest anti-inflammatory effects of oleocanthal um can be compared. In some studies, it compared to that of ibuprofen. Oh, I feel like yeah. you and I have talked about that before. Yeah, I've probably shared it with all my new inflammation knowledge. Exactly.
0: <laughs> also, um, let's give serious kudos to Carolyn for just rolling oleocanthal right off the tongue like it's no big deal.
1: <laughs> you just got to have confidence. Just That's right, and put a
0: Southern accent
1: on it, yeah. right? right? Act like you know what you're
0: talking about. Yeah. So. Okay, the next one. Everybody loves this category.
1: This is easy to do, too. Exactly. You want me to say it? Yeah. Okay. Number two, vitamin C-rich fu- uh, fruits or foods, vitamin C-rich foods, which includes a lot of your fruits. Yes. Um, a lot um, of citrus fruits. A lot of your citrus, but also like strawberries. Yep. Um, I was just reading something like a, eight strawberries, which is about a cup, and they're not sliced. Um provides like 97 percent of your vitamin c awesome it's also
0: good for your skin just fyi side note
1: (laughs) but um and you're wanting this because of um because vitamin c is an antioxidant so it's gonna stop oxidative damage from free radicals and that's important because oxidative damage and free radicals Cause, when they cause damage, it triggers inflammation, yeah. new inflammation. Yeah. So the last thing you want is for you know trying to calm down this COVID inflammatory storm, and then you're you know contributing
0: more at, like literally kindle to the fire. Yes, yes. Yes.
1: Also, though, it's needed by the immune system. The immune system really got gets thrown for a loop with COVID, um, largely because of that inflammatory storm, because. the body's trying to fight off COVID, but the inflammatory storm is generated by the immune system. Mm. So it's kind of fighting itself. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit dysregulated. So vitamin C is good to help it like get back on track.
0: Now, there are also some veggies like um, broccoli and uh, bell peppers that have vitamin C in them if you're not a big fruit person. But just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you.
1: Just throw it out there. Yeah. Not just fruits. Yeah. Okay. Number three, vitamin D rich foods. And I'm going to say vi- maybe a vitamin D supplement because there aren't yeah. that
0: many. Vitamin D rich foods are really foods. challenging. Yeah. As in because they're just, there's not, there are not a lot of foods that have um naturally occurring vitamin D in them. So like we think of milk has vitamin D in it, but it's milk is actually fortified. With
1: vitamin D. Yes, but like there's some fatty fish. Usually your omega-3 ones have some. There's salmon, trout, um, like you said, fortified milks, and then some mushrooms. But it's mm-hmm. only mushrooms that are grown under this certain light. Yeah, they have to be exposed to and, UV rays. And I don't know. Do they say that like on the package? Sometimes, they, yeah. They, they yeah. will? Okay. Yeah, but,
0: but the thing is is that I don't see them that often. And maybe yeah. it's just our geographic location, but we've got a lot of sun down here, guys. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Well, we already learned um, how vital vitamin D was, you know, early on in COVID when they um, began associating, you know, that people with low vitamin D re- uh, levels um, ha- appeared to have a higher risk for COVID and that low levels were associated with higher m- mortality rates from COVID. Um and so we already knew that. But then vitamin D also is kind of like, um, it's not an antioxidant, but it does similar things to what vitamin C does. It really helps to calm that inflammatory storm. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and it supports your immune
1: system because it yes. does,
0: vitamin D does play a role in your immunity. Um, and, it, and yeah, you know, with COVID and post-COVID, you really want to get your immune system yep. back on track. Yep. All right,
1: one number. We are on number. I don't know. Four. One, two, three, four. Okay. Flavonoid rich foods, and you're probably like Carolyn. What the heck is that? I,
0: yeah, I'm like Carolyn. You got to explain that to the people. Because <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go eat some flavonoid
1: rich foods. <laughs> yeah. Don't go to the grocery store looking for. Could flavonoids? you imagine? <laughs> I
0: I dare you to go to the store and ask someone who works there for some flavonoid rich foods.
1: I could only imagine the look on their face. Okay, so these are a family of bioactive compounds, phytochemicals that and um, they are only in plant foods, and mm-hmm. they're usually in your colorful plant foods, like your berries, your cruciferous vegetables, your citrus, um, mm-hmm. uh, but also things like tea um, yep. has them in there. But they exert—I'm putting this in quotes—immune modulating effects, which— I'm assuming means kind of help regulate the immune system mm-hmm. and get it back on track.
0: Yeah. Yeah, flavonoid rich foods like they're in a lot of plants yeah. or plant foods, right? Like like quercetin for example is in onions. But yeah, so like in in things like onions um to like quercetin is um Also in apples, I think, Mm -hmm. catechins, in tea, particularly concentrated in green tea.
1: Basically get your vegetables and fruits in.
0: And colors, like you said.
1: Colors, yeah.
0: And colors. Because there are a lot of different flavonoids. Like there's Mm -hmm. tons of them. Yep, yep,
1: yep. So. Yeah. So, and then that's good. You need to be doing that anyway, but it's particularly helpful when you're recovering from any kind of illness. Yes. All right, we've
0: got two more.
1: Two more. Number 5, probiotic rich foods.
0: I mean, they had to know we were going to say that, right? Yeah. They so had
1: to. You've got to remember that 70 to 80% of your immune system is in the gut. Yep. And your immune system's a mess right now. Um and we know that the gut can influence the brain, they're constantly in communication, sending messages, sending emails to each other, <laughs> sending texts.
0: Yeah, mine's more like,
1: yeah, uh-huh. texting and
0: tweeting rapid fire.
1: So we don't know the direct effects that COVID has on gut microbes, but we're just assuming since we know the immune system is left in shambles correct? <laughs> after COVID, we're assuming the gut could use some help to get the immune system back on track
0: and also because of the whole gut brain axis there surely there has to be additional benefit from improving your gut health to then have it travel up to your brain yes. and maybe just wipe away some of that fog
1: <laughs> and when i say we're assuming this isn't just our ideas this is yeah. from some 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 of the few research studies that are out there that have suggested things that would be beneficial for yes. Also, and, brain fog. and when we say we're assuming to, we're
0: also pulling in our our knowledge of, like, okay, the, there is a gut-brain access. We have yes. talked about that. We know that what's good for the gut is good for the brain. So you could definitely then assume that if it's good for the gut and it's good for the brain, surely it's it's not going to hurt the brain, the brain. fog. Right. It's going to help the brain yeah.
1: fog. So probiotic-rich foods and drinks, barley. Oh, kombucha.
0: <laughs> And yogurt and sauerkraut, not cooked sauerkraut though, not canned sauerkraut, refrigerated sauerkraut, Um, other fermented veggies like kimchi and miso. Um, It's going to give you all those good probiotics. Yeah, you can find probiotics and other things now too. Um, I never
1: know like, like when they say they have added probiotics, like a granola bar. Right. I don't really trust that.
0: I mean, they add them and they have shelf-stable ones. But but the thing that I always wonder is like, well, how much is in there and and how many strains? I'm sure you well, can the Well, are they alive?
1: Are they yeah, alive? Because no, they have to be alive to be beneficial.
0: Yes. But they have a variety. A variety, a variety might not be the right word. A strain. They have – there is um, a shelf-stable type of probiotic that has been created and it's like encapsulated in something okay. so that it keeps it from – dying even though it's like put on the on the shelf but then it comes back to the fact that like that's really just like one potential type you know and the research on probiotics is like various strains usually housed together you know so I don't think like eating your one granola bar with the one version That's not of a probiotic <laughs> strain in it is really going to do it. We got to we got to mix it up here, folks. Yep. Um but yeah, there's also the like the cottage cheeses, you can find probiotic like waters out there. I have yeah. not I haven't had not explored those them. much, but anyway, or just take a supplement if you really want to. You could do that too. Yeah.
1: All right, last one. Okay. I'm going to call this category <clears throat> slow carbs. I like that categorization. Mm-hmm. But what are you talking about? Okay. <clears throat> so slow carbs are ones, usually ones that are very minimally processed. They're, so they're higher in fiber. So like your whole grains, and they may even contain a little protein. Again, like mm. your whole grains or like your beans or peas. Um, And what that means is when you eat them, because they have so much fiber and they're complex and they take a while to digest, which means the carbohydrates from them um, enters your uh, bloodstream and that glucose enters your bloodstream at a slow, slower, more moderate pace. Right. As compared to... Um, refined carbs, carbs with added sugars, um, those or just type of straight things. straight up sweets. Just straight up sweets. And we probably, you've already all felt this. Um, you know, that's why people drink like a Coke in the afternoon or something. Yeah. You're wanting that sugar rush because what happens is there's really little to no digestion that has to happen. So that glucose goes, bam, into the bloodstream. So you get this, your blood glucose shoots straight up and you okay. are feeling good for a little bit. And then it. But then, because it shoots up so quick, the body has overcompensated in insulin. So now it goes down, and a lot of times it can go down lower than it should be, and you're back feeling worse than you did before. Exactly. So your slower carbs. So, um, like I said, whole grains, um, beans, canned beans, frozen peas, any of those kind of things. All good options. Yes. 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 And, okay, why is this important? Um, because that blood sugar going up and down, if you have a big roller coaster of your blood sugar going up and down, um, those variations exacerbate inflammation. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So the other thing, too, is that when you're eating the the these, like, slow-carb versions or these carbs that are – more, um, that have other nutrients slow. in them that are slow. Yeah. I was trying to think yeah, about how to say that well. more nutrients. You, you get other nutrients out of them too. You're not just like, you're not just getting straight carbohydrate or straight sugar. Um, yeah. so there's, you know, there's benefit
1: in those other nutrients that you get, man. And I have, now that I'm wearing a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, mm-hmm. it is fascinating to see what, like, I ate a baked potato the other night. Oh my gosh, it shot up so high. Did it, it really? Yes. And then I've learned I can't really do rice, even brown rice. Wow. But I can do I can do like quinoa. Yeah, it's really interesting, and that it differs by person somewhat. But like
0: also, I think, well, it yeah, it totally differs by person. But I'm curious, like if you pair it with a protein or a fat. Does that help or does it not help you as much as you thought I it would? I need
1: to do some true experiments on myself. Yeah. <laughs> but that would involve me like <laughs> not having eaten anything for two hours and having like a bowl of just brown rice. And then the next day doing the same thing, but having some protein <laughs> and vegetables with that brown yeah, rice. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. See, and this is exactly why nutrition research and diet research is so challenging Yes, because you got to get a real live human to actually do that
1: experiment. Yes, but I have found if I will eat vegetables first, eat a little bit of my protein first, that helps slow down any kind of rise.
0: Yeah, so it it like even it's the big spike.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, because you know, I'm still trying for that A. Exactly. That's I what I was gonna made say. Carolyn's over
0: here just as a reminder, if you or or as a what episode was that? I don't remember. It was a couple months mm. ago. But our goals. Oh, our goals, that's right. It, it, as a reminder, Carolyn is over here just pulling the levers on her dietary choices so that she can figure out how to win at the game of her CGM. But it
1: really it's been very eye opening and it's really made me make some um better choices. Some better choices. Like I, I really mean, I don't know. Whatever wanna... motivates you. Yeah.
0: Truly. I will say, too, though, that actually you have motivated me because I I really love carbs. And if I'm making dinner, I will be inclined to, like, if I'm, like, making a carb, I'll be inclined to, like, snack on a little bit before dinner. And then typically I just won't eat. I yeah. won't eat it at dinner, right? Or I'll eat like a – like if I'm making a well, nice loaf good. of bread or I whatever. I think I probably eat it at bread. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, I'm just kind of like, oh, this was my serving of this, so I'm just going to eat it now. But after you doing your monitoring and explained it to me, I was like, ooh, I really should like eat my protein first and, and save that. So like then I try and find something else that's got like some fat or some protein yeah. in it to snack on if I'm hungry while I'm cooking. Yeah. Um and now I just have to like actually get the monitor and do it and see what happens. Yeah. But but there there is a lot um, – and I feel like more research has been coming out or at least I'm seeing more articles that are talking about that roller coaster ride that your blood sugar does is unhealthy for anybody, anybody not just people who like have diabetes, yep. um, that it generally is not good for your overall health. I said to Will last night, he was snacking on some cereal when we came home from um, this this event we went to last night, and I said, "Babe, I really hope I really hope you never get diabetes." <laughs> and he just looked at me, and I was like, "I mean, you just love carbs. Like it's like nine thirty at night, and you are like chowing down on a bowl of cereal." And then what I didn't get into was like the um, was like the whole like. Because he does. He really loves carbs. was like what well, his he blood doesn't. sugar must yeah. be doing. Yeah, And I, that was when I was like, you know what, Bradley? Just shut your pie hole and let him enjoy his cereal. We all love a bowl of cereal. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Okay. So overall, if you think that you have brain fog, you are not alone. Yes. A lot of people have it at different stages of life, potentially, especially if you're a woman, and also as a result of
1: COVID. And it may be continued you know two to three years after covid we don't know how long i do feel like mine's gotten better which is awesome a
0: lot better and Mm -hmm. carolyn has outlined some fantastic dietary choices that you can make to help at least get your body back on track
1: and i wrote two i did all this research because i wrote two articles um um about months ago own brain fog and the nutrition connection so i'm gonna link those in the show notes if you're interested all right well we'll see you next week bye guys thank you so much for joining us for the happy eating podcast i'm Briarly horton and i'm carolyn williams if you liked this week's episode then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on itunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast, are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers. With any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast.
0: If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1 800 273 TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.